welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The New Wave Entrepreneur. I am so excited to have you for today's episode because it's really the first time we've gone in depth to talk about the metaverse. Now, I'm here today with a team called The Legion Network. They're based out of the UK, but they have offices all over the world. And what they are working to do with their technology is to create uh, real-life virtual, I guess it's almost an oxymoron now, but but real virtual spaces to interact with NFTs to uh to to hold your digital assets as well as essentially pay to play video gaming across multiple platforms that really takes complete advantage of all the things that Web3 has to offer. And in this episode, we go deep into not just the technology of what they're working on, but where these experts truly believe that the future of Web3 will go. And I know that you're going to absolutely enjoy this episode. And while you're here, listen to this. Web 2 itself, I believe, is crumbling in many fundamental ways. Do you know that just last week I got shadow banned off Instagram? What does that mean? Well, that means that I put up a post that basically posed a very simple question. In fact, it was the same question I asked of our guest Vic Laranja just a few episodes ago. And I said, do you think America will get crushed by China. Do you think China will surpass America as the number one world superpower? And as soon as I posted that, Instagram sent me a message that said, my account has been put on restricted reach for 90 days or more because I've been posting false information according to their independent fact checkers. Now, I just think that's absolutely crazy. And it just goes to show you that there's really nothing that you own in this Web2 environment, especially as a creator. You know, we've become very comfortable with the fact that these platforms are are ours. We believe them to be ours. But we see that when push comes to shove, especially when political conditions change and when when incentives for uh, capitalism change, well, the ownership is revealed and it's truly not our platform. And that's why I want to remind you guys that you need to be checking out my Substack. If you haven't already subscribed to my Substack, go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, click on the very first link that links to the Substack and says articles and podcasts, and you'll be taken to where all this content's being housed. Not only are the free episodes I'm putting out on that platform, but I'm also putting out tons of behind-the-scenes stuff, a podcast that will never make it to the regular market. We're also doing courses and full programs that I'm putting behind the wall on Substack as well as stuff that is really cool that I've been wanting to do for a long time, like merch drops, like our Discord community, all available to premium Substack members. Say that three times fast. So that is my invitation to you. And honestly, guys, it's really the only place where we can continue to talk about things that are important and truly making a difference in the world because as you can see... The noose, the grip is slowly being tightened on free speech. And I don't say that as an alarmist. I say it as a realist. And up until last week, you know, I hadn't even experienced true censorship, but now I see how it's, how it's fixing to go. So if you're ready to dive into this stuff and you're ready to keep surfing with me, go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, hit that link, go to the Substack and join as a premium member. All right. That's all I got to say today. Let's head on to this member, to this meeting, this new episode with uh, Legion Network. Catch you on the other side.
Hello, my friends, and welcome to another incredible episode of the New Wave Entrepreneur Podcast. Daniel DiBiase checking in with you guys, and today we have well, we have something really special. You know, we've been talking a lot on the show about uh, everything that's coming in this new wave of technology and how Web three is changing the game when it comes to how we're going to interact with each other. Um, if you've been listening to uh, the show for the past couple of months. You know that I've, I quoted Chris Dixon many times and he said, web one was read only, web two was read write, web three is, uh, you know, is read write own. And it's all about ownership in this new uh, digital economy. There hasn't really been a time uh, up to now with the use of the internet where we could actually take the things that we interact with on the web and move with them throughout our, our web experience in a way that we do with our physical possessions in the world. And what's happening now is technology is coming to a head where we're seeing this indistinguishable uh, connection between our physical life and our digital life. I'm a big fan of, um, of, the, of the, the movie and the book, Ready Player One. In fact, I'm a much, actually a much better fan of the book. The, the movie was, you know, I feel like they did too much and I actually fell asleep during the movie. I feel bad. Um, but but the book was very, very good, and it gave me an idea, a sense of what was coming. When you read books like this and when you see uh, art like this, it feels like it's so far off. It feels like it's, you know, you know, you look at things like Blade Runner when they say Blade Runner 2040, and you feel like this is so far away, this world that we imagine is so far away. But really, it's here now. And this concept of owning uh, our piece of the digital world owning uh, the, the, in a sense, the avatars that we're using in this digital experience is uh, a broader concept called the metaverse. Earlier this year, I put up a post online and I said, I, I want to get involved with Web3, with NFTs, with the metaverse. Who out there is working on interesting projects? And I had an incredible team approach me uh, just in the DMs, and their name is Legion Network. And we have Two of the leads from this project coming on the podcast today, we have Arthur and we have Cameron, and they are working to create a metaverse experience that's not only going to um, going to bring some of these disparate elements together, but really looking to change the game. I've seen some other technology uh, and it kind of blew me away. I had to actually have a tutorial on how this stuff works because it's so fascinating. And today we're going to dive in deep with not only what Legion is doing, but how their work in this space is going to help to uh, define and to shape what's to come uh, with this incredible new technology. So welcome, guys. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, pleasure to be uh, hosted by yourself on the show. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks so much for having us, Daniel. Excited to be here. Pleasure to have you. And I just want to note that as with all the best connections, this is truly international. We have Abu Dhabi, <laughs> we have the UK, and we have, <laughs> yeah. you know, little old Portland, Portland, Oregon here. So <laughs> just to be clear, the metaverse is not happening in one corner of the world. It's happening everywhere. And you guys are at the forefront of that. Um, so, so, uh, author, CEO of Legion, correct? Yeah, that's right. Big visionary? What type of leader are you? Visionary? <laughs> are you more of an integrator? How do nah, you... I think it's, it's definitely a visionary. It's like bef I, before you lead, before you start something, the main thing, ingredients for me is like vision. Like you have to have some sort of picture in, in your head. And with technology nowadays, it's, it's very difficult not to have a picture of what's possible. And so when we, when we were developing software and getting into the metaverse and blockchain, we kind of start to see signs what's happening and 
straight away picture pictures pictures and everything that I do is like same pictures pictures so you have to picture it and if, if it doesn't make sense to me like something I always stand by is as a young if a four-year-old can't understand it then it's going to be very difficult to to be successful so for me it's like it has to make sense and the biggest thing is vision seeing that I, I completely agree and with that in mind I would really really appreciate an explanation of the metaverse as if I were four yeah, it's crazy. So, what are we talking about? Definitely. I think the, the best way to think about the metaverse is technology, like you said in the beginning, technology keeps on changing and there's always going to be limitations. Like, look at social media and the connection that we, we had originally uh, through cell phones and through big, massive phones, barely sending messages on MSN Messenger. And now it's evolved huh. to like Bebo and then, then it became like Instagram, Facebook. You start to realize that there's always a new chapter. Um, so the metaverse is just really the new chapter for me, like in terms of connecting with people. And because of the new technology, there's going to be new levels of, of immersion. So you don't have to like somebody's picture. You can actually just walk past them and you're still actually sitting, sitting inside your house. So for me, the best way to summarize it is the metaverse is a new way for people to connect just using the new technology that's out there. Cameron, where, where do you fit into the vision of the company and what's your take on what the metaverse is? Awesome. So I'm the creative director. And of course, I take a strong lead in the, you know, the, the visual aesthetics as far as the creative side and really bringing forth more of the concepts in a way that translates better, um, whether that be through, you know, the NFT sides or anything specifically with, um, you know, just user interface assets and things like that and just bringing that vision forward and helping to assist where possible. So, yeah, that's really, um, I guess, what my day-to-day sort of involves in. And of course, you know, scattered as far as the creative field goes, whether it's social media or it's like, you know, deep into the actual um, apps themselves. But yeah, trying to take a great hold on, you know, specific avenues, which, you know, can further integrate our software and align better with our creative vision. And, and my and what's, take, yeah, yeah. What's your take? <laughs> my take. So it's interesting. I think that I'm on two sides. I feel like I had a weird, like bridging moment, uh, maybe like a week ago or so. Initially, my kind of take on the metaverse was that it was extremely almost like this exponential new technology, which, you know, people are going to come forward with and use these digital avatars to represent themselves, almost having like a a second being. And with the kind of technology we're seeing, you know, outside of the metaverse, I mean, who knows what sorts of deep levels of, you know, consciousness is going to go into these digital avatars and stuff. That's a whole nother conversation. But now I'm starting to realize it's, you know, there's so many similarities with what, has already been around, um, especially with the likes of like social media. And I think just now bringing concepts that are almost like unanimous with, you know, just gamification, you know, visual identity through avatars, you know, things that we've seen in like Minecraft, Roblox, etc., and just applying it to a space which adds more commerce and um, digital ownership. I think that's really like the change uh, that I'm seeing, at least with the, with the metaverse and how I'd kind of describe it. So, okay. My first thought is, does the metaverse have to be linked with virtual reality? Because I have an Oculus at home and, you know, I, I was playing it last weekend with my with my nephew and it's really fun. I can tell that it's still the very early stages of this technology. And even so, it's still very immersive. Is metaverse and virtual technology, virtual reality, are they are they uh, linked together or is there a separation there? I would definitely say it's separation because if you think about the biggest trending metaverse or, or games right now especially in blockchain many of them don't require like virtual reality or augmented reality like 
it's just the fact that you can the metaverse now the reason i think is it's really grown on people is with the introduction of nfts because these type of games like fortnite and a very similar type of experiences have been here for like 10 years 10 15 years and minecraft and getting together but what makes one so um, happy to portray itself as a metaverse and compared to the other it's really the introduction of nfts and, and i really think that's what's really making people realize wow this technology that already existed we can change it with introduction of new technology and i think you know virtual reality i think is the next level slowly it's just an additional ingredients to make it more immersive so i think the metaverse in itself is more connection and being able to own certain things and, and the technology underlying it. That I think that's what currently at the moment defines metaverse anyway. So when we're talking about metaverse, it's it's not necessarily the user experience as it is the, the way in which you can uh, own the objects, the, uh, the types of experiences that you have inside of this. It's almost, it's almost, I almost say like a new layer. It's like a, it's like a new layer of social media where there it's, it's all interconnected. So right now we have these individual islands of social media that we all connect on. And it's almost like every, every piece of technology is a separate island. It's almost like looking through a separate lens. If you go on Google, you're on Google land and you can only operate on Google land. You can't really, now they do sometimes there is some sort of interoperability where Across many platforms, maybe you can log in with your Facebook login, but that's still using Facebook to log into Google. They're still separate islands with separate systems and they're not really connected in any real way. You can't change. You can't, you can't move from one area to the next and maintain your assets, uh, your community, your property, so to speak. And that, that's really the key with metaverse. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're spot on, to be honest. Like, I think the blockchain technology is really the separation that we're seeing from a standard, I don't know, like a triple A, triple A, uh, excuse me, game, which, you know, multiple people can come in and, you know, still buy and do partake in in-game purchases. But I think the blockchain technology is kind of given that divide or that bridge to now this new layer of ownership, this new layer of commerce and, you know, ways in which people can actually start building their own spaces and have ownership over them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree as well. It's like, um, I was studying, actually studying like the metaverse and when the term actually originated, I thought it was probably in the last two years, but it was like one year after I was born. That's when the phrase metaverse was first used, uh, in a book by Neil Stephenson. And that was more about just avatars connecting in environments. But I think the reason why I didn't really many games, like you can consider the metaverse is like most people who play COD, and, and they're playing Call of Duty, they're spending the last 10 years really immersed in that game. Technically, if you're looking at the difference between blockchain right now, it's just cryptos and NFTs. So I still believe that that was like a metaverse. People are literally engrossed, indulged. Um, and they actually, some people live their lives playing God. That's how they communicate with their friends. So I think now it's, it's just the additional technology that's, that's really making it uh, popular. That's what we're seeing today. Yeah, I think what's so interesting is, at least when I was growing up, there was this entire... I don't know, I guess a, a somewhat of a movement around video games aren't healthy for you. You know, don't play so many video games, stay off the, stay off the console, you know, and there was this, especially with parents, you know, wanting us to stay studying and to, you know, the video games will make you stupid or violent video games will turn you into a killer. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing the, the entire gamification of the world. And the general, you know, I think generations that are a bit older than us, 
they all, they're going to get the tailwind of this, meaning that they're not going to be the early adopters. But what we're seeing is even people who are in their, their, you know, in elementary school and in their teens now, they're, this is going to be standard for them. It's going to be standard. Just like, you know, I, I grew up without social media and then I had, I, then I went from not having it to having it. And it was a, a change. It was a paradigm shift. And this will be a paradigm shift for us because we didn't grow up in a, in a true metaverse. But the children of today will, will grow up with another layer on top of society, which is a, a digital layer. And it, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit scary if you think about it, because I guess one thing I'd like to know is you guys are obviously, you're in the process of creating technology to, you know, to be part of this, this movement. But when is enough enough? You know, when, it, when, is, it, when is it appropriate to say, listen, you know, when does, when does technology become too indulgent, I guess? <laughs> I mean, that's a very deep question. There's so many different things in life where you wish that enough was enough, but there's freedom of speech, and which, which I respect. And there's so many different things, but there's always people that will, will, will use that for, for their own good and not really for the good of humanity. And it's similar with a metaverse, like creativity. I've seen some incredible projects that are, are happening today and people are getting so creative like never before they're so excited and i think some of this technology ex already existed but the excitement is what's propelling the the growth right now but at the same time it's like you do think about what's possible what's going to happen next like what's the word like catfishing and you don't know who's behind the screen and not only now is it a picture and somebody texting you like you're interacting and it's like you have to be extra careful and i think that's something that that um, people should take into consideration while they're building these these platforms if you're going to make an open world or a or parallel universe where it's all about connecting there's going to be new forms of like communication new forms of like um what's the word disrespect new forms of it's how is all this going to be regulated and that's where it starts to get scary like in a in in the decentralized world there's not much control and there's great things about it and you, some people use the money for for things that shouldn't that it shouldn't be used for and in the same way i i can see that happening in the metaverse secret societies that you never have access to that parallel universes that they have crazy things going on but you will never know and it's decentralized and nobody will ever know. yeah it, it does get a bit scary <laughs> you, you, you thought the dark web was bad just wait till you see the dark the dark metaverse <laughs> mm, different scary scary yeah but the great thing about it at the moment you can't feel much but like with, with technology like like i've seen body vest like where you can play boxing games and me and my friend we play this boxing game and i've stopped going to the gym for the last two months because i literally sweat so much and i feel like i'm actually hitting somebody and it, it's just it's just different but uh, i i, I can the see oculus you yeah know, it's very good yeah, like I, like I was telling Cameron, like he needs to buy one as soon as possible because because I'm into technology and I'm used to like the latest graphics processes. I'm used to Nintendo Wii when it first came out and and the immersion. But when I put it on the put on the Oculus for the first time, of like I think it was two months ago, and I was when I was shocked and when I was like impressed by the technology, I realized wait till wait till the average person until it becomes affordable for the average person to just put on this headset it's, it's it's we can't stop this right now it's at a stage where we can't stop it it's like what do we do with it the, the oculus is only about 250 dollars. it's really not expensive you know so a few years ago it was much more expensive and and it was much lower quality and i, and I have to, i have the oculus i think it's the quest quest 2 quest 3 something like that yeah same you one. know and it's uh and just to think that we're at the at the beginning of the stage um now, one thing I'm curious about, and Cameron, I'd love to hear your take on this, is that we have, 
whenever a new technology is developed, we always have a race to a race to dominance. And in social media over the past decade or more, uh, we've had, you know, a few primary giants, specifically when you look at uh, Zuckerberg and Facebook's entire network, they have a very aggressive strategy of copy or kill. You know, they basically will look to see what's out. They'll try to buy something like Snapchat, for instance. They'll try to buy it. If they can't buy it, they'll completely copy it and try to kill it. I don't see them as a very original platform. And I have, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook because um, I, I think it's I think it's an essential piece of like, it's almost like a utility at this point. It's like a public utility. That whole network is a public utility. And I think it's quite toxic for a lot of different reasons, you know, not only from just uh, from the research perspective, but from um, like what research has shown about addiction to social media, which they're one of the main purveyors of, but also just from a personal perspective of understanding how the advertisement works and really understanding what, you know, what's being done on that end. And I'm curious, two things. One is... Is Facebook's metaverse the one that we want to live in? So this is going to, I'll give my perspective and then I'll give um, think a more like general perspective. I think that for myself personally, no. I think the, the kind of direction that Facebook has taken and we can't ignore their previous behavior and kind of like how they've gone about, you know, data, um, securing user data and privacy policies and things like that. And I don't feel like that, level of security if there was any will transpire or completely change because we're now in the metaverse where there's a lot more vulnerability as far as you know people's finances personal possessions so yeah personally i don't think it is a viable option especially as the top i mean i clearly understand even with what you're saying as far as they're definitely a first mover advantage sort of like network and they will make that push to just be that aggressive to be, you know, on top and be at the front leading uh, the direction. But I think, to be honest, we're at a point where there's so many other projects that, you know, add for far more, well, decentralization, which is really, you know, one of the three pillars in what, what makes a metaverse. You've got, you know, these companies, which, and these upcoming projects, which are given power back to the people, which I don't feel like given Facebook's, um, or Meta at this case, given the kind of overall approach when it comes to, you know, things that we're seeing, like we're talking about with, you know, online, you know, whether it's, you know, bullying or some, some form of that any issue pretty much they don't they don't like aggressively tackle those things but as soon as it's business that's looking good and they can get some money off of it we're sweeping in we're like all, all troops so you know i think that it's not really a viable option personally and also i think it's a bit i don't know it's almost a bit too much at once in a sense like i don't know i think there's so much um they're trying to do everything at once and i think to me that's just a huge i don't know sign that they are really trying to like put their foot down and like almost put like a barrier, you know, like in the Simpsons when they dropped that whole dome in that one area, I feel like that's essentially like what, what Meta is trying to do and like just keep everything in like within their parameters and understanding. So, well, Facebook is, is fantastic at creating a walled garden. You know, they're fantastic at creating an exclusive, you know, universe where they operate and they, they basically make all the rules you know, I've been thinking about this over the past couple of months. When we talk about metaverse and decentralization, well, first you said there, there are three pillars to the metaverse and one was decentralization. What are the other two? Sorry. Yeah. So as far as um, like the metaverse, so you've got decentralization, you've got, got user accessibility, and you've got blockchain. Those are the main three things. 
So, you know, that being said, I've been thinking about over the last few months, what what are we really after with with decentralization? And, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. I think that I think that the world deserves a lot more decentralization than it has, because even from the perspective of the Internet, you know, our Internet experience is basically only through a few different platforms. It's through Google. It's through Facebook. It's through Amazon. You know, it's through Apple. GAFA, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, maybe we'll say Netflix, you know, yeah, like yeah. most of our experience, even even if you think from a deeper level, businesses that aren't one of those four usually probably run on AWS, Amazon Web Services. So the underlying, uh, you know, the interstitial of it all is one of these four. And um, I think there's a big benefit to decentralization because uh, we can at that point choose who we're sharing our information with. We'll have you know, uh, the ability to move between platforms freely. I think that there's also going to be similar to in web one, where there were much, I feel like tighter communities. Um, I feel like there was a, a sense of innovation. There was a sense of collaboration. I can remember going on uh, American online AOL chat rooms and early internet and I can remember the the wonder of people being able to chat instantly. I can remember that at one point it was uh, a thrill to get an email because you felt like you were something special was happening. I do feel like with Web3 and decentralization in general, we're going to bring back some of that wonder of the Internet. We're not going to feel so much like a mass product of these big companies. We're not going to feel like just a data point in their system. And... I feel like there is a a downside to decentralization, which is, listen, you know, we want some centralization to things. So, for instance, and I know that we're, 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 we're having a quick detour into just the idea of Web3 here in general. Let's talk about DeFi. People are talking about DeFi. And of course, we're all in a, anyone who's listening to the show is, is in our bubble. We're in this bubble of, you know, Web3 champions, uh, people who are excited about this technology. But do you really want to become your own bank? You know, for instance, uh, if you send your crypto or your money to the wrong address and you can't contact Chase to get it back, that's a problem. You know, if you can't log in and you lose your keys and no one else can help you because it's decentralized, that's a problem. And there will be issues with that, like that with the metaverse as well, where if it's truly decentralized, uh, there, there's the opportunity for disorganization and chaos. Author, what are your what are your perspectives on some of the downsides of Meta and just the decentralization of the internet in general? Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool that you brought that together because decentralized decentralization and DeFi decentralized finance and what you guys were mentioning about Facebook earlier, it just made me think about it's more about when when I look at something like Facebook, you have to understand the underlying business model behind it. Um, for example, Facebook is the whole point of Facebook. If you think about how the Facebook makes money is through advertising. So what are they gaining in order for you to, uh, to, to see adverts? And you start to think like same with DeFi. It is no point having a decent, decentralized project. That's exactly the same as a centralized project. So I've seen many uh, projects come out. I don't see any difference, but oh, we're just DeFi just based on the name and uh, people have voting system, but the people behind it have a certain mindset. So it's kind of still centralized. Um, and, and in the same way, like these errors that you mentioned in, in terms of transfers and I do feel like it's kind of, 
these things I would say are minimal and I feel like technology should have like bounce backs where certain things can happen like I'm sure pretty uh, uh, quite a few different technologies where you send it to the wrong address it automatically creates a bridge I've seen on Ethereum I've seen people sending money uh, I happened to me a few weeks ago somebody spoke to send me money in, in Ethereum but they sent it on the Binance Smart Chain but it didn't get lost because the same wallet address was still linked and there's things right, that they right. can do technology wise I, I always believe there's things that they can do and people will start to specify which things shouldn't be left decentralized or there should be like some sort of centralization or some sort of support system that's centralized because I think like yeah you're right centralization there has to be a balance even if people prefer decentralization I think there's still going to be like 20% centralization just so people are happy and that's just that's just everything in life like you have to have the like some people have some crazy thoughts about the police and whatever there has to be some central force that can take care of when there's an ambulance and you need to have some sort of authority. Decentralized ambulances. No, 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 no. <laughs> Centralization. We don't want you. You don't want your auntie giving me CPI. Yeah, so. no, yeah. <laughs> we want ambulance yeah. Uber. Oh, like I'm available. Like no, 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 no. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we're yeah. blessed. Like our countries, like if you go to some certain countries, the ambulance comes after five hours. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. So centralization is great there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like. Really, Web 2 was the centralization of it all. Web 1 really was much more decentralized. You know, Web 2 became very centralized and there are benefits to that. You know, as much as I knock Facebook, like I said, it's a public utility and, and there, there is that whole network has created a lot of opportunity, a lot. I mean, you know, I found you guys through Instagram, a centralized platform. You know, there's a lot of benefit to the centralization of things. I think that there, I think that we can find that balance between having more autonomy and, and, and having less of our less being being less of uh, a product of the centralized economy because as i as i say to you know my listeners and my readers you know if you're not paying for something you are the product so we know that facebook and the platform of facebook the general platform of facebook makes money off of advertisements and they 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 extract your data to feed you better ads and then they sell that information to advertisers. What are those advertisements going to look like in the metaverse? Well, it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah, Go interesting. On you, yeah, interesting. You bring that up. So I'm at, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a point. So I know I previously said that I think the three pillars for the metaverse were, of course, decentralization. I think I said user accessibility and blockchain or blockchain technology. But leading to that question um, and to the point is that I think I'm gonna switch user accessibility more for like governance. And I think why that kind of comes into play is that, you know, of course, yep, centralization in certain areas is completely key. But I do also think, you know, we're seeing places like Decentraland, which actually run off their own DAO governance and, I mean, have managed to do so based on, you know, like where they're at now, like they're doing absolutely incredibly well now. Um, current, I'd say, leading um, that sort of market. So, yeah, I think, to be honest, like decentralization, it's... It's a feasible option. I think mainly we're trying, maybe steering away from decentralization more so based on the hands, you know, you know, kind of like the powers that be dipping their hands in and like giving control. Cause I think maybe more users are more so comfortable 
I'd say with each other versus having some sort of, you know, much higher authority kind of taking the lead on like, you know, some of the decisions that are being made. So yeah, I, I do think to be honest, um, yeah, I think decentralization could effectively be like a feasible option. Uh, but we'll see where things kind of go. Cause again, people kind of use their, use and abuse the power that's kind of put forward to them. So yeah, we'll see. I was going to say like in terms of adverts, like <laughs> it's like, um, when you're in the metaverse, you automatically, especially with the Oculus headset and you, you're automatically giving permission for so many different things that you can't get just through a mobile phone or, or, or through a laptop. And it's like people will know, like in the metaverse, where you've been and they don't need to ask you anymore. They, they don't need a tracker because even though you're sat at home in your bedroom, you've actually enjoyed your day because you went here and there in the metaverse. And that's something that's fully di- digital. And it's like the, like you as a person, you're going to start to express more, more of the stuff that was hidden in the metaverse. Because what, when you used to like, is a big thing about internet of things. Remember when, uh, it's like we forgot about it and the speakers and the echo and, and your curtains automatically listening to you. And it's just crazy. Like that was where everybody was going. And now with, with the rise of metaverse, it's like, it's not just like, um, your phone. It's, it's more like you're going to have certain vests that you, that you, that you're going to feel pain. And it's weird because, Every type of reaction that happens, there's, there's going to be an advert for it. So, like, if you hurt your foot, like, don't don't be surprised to ha- have a bandage uh, advertising <laughs> coming to you, like, delivered to your doorstep tomorrow because you you accidentally fell down and and you had a shock <laughs> in your leg. It's like it's crazy, but it's I think we're still getting creative. Like, there's going to be so many things that we can't even predict. Uh, that sounds horrible. I wrote down two things. Um, okay. Well, speaking of advertisements, so I want so I want to talk specifically about the technology behind Legion. So we'll talk about that in a second. But I brought I thought up two things while you guys were uh, while we were chatting. One, uh, most people probably don't know this just because it's still relatively new. And again, this is sometimes I feel like with anything that's Web three, Meta, crypto, I like to over explain this stuff because there's this assumption that oh, everyone knows about this or, you know, you know, everyone, you don't know what the fucking layer one and layer two is. What are you, a fucking idiot? It's like, no, this is all new terminology. This is all, there There are no gurus in this space because it's so new. So I like to explain things over and over again. When it comes to advertisements, there's a browser called Brave and Brave basically offers a token for watching advertisements called BAT, which is called Basic Attention Token. And this is what we we're talking about at the beginning of the episode again which is, you know, web one was read only, web two was read write, web three is read write own. So Brave, what Brave is doing is they are looking to reward people for watching advertisements because right now, basically the, the browsers that we're on, I mean, I'm on a Chrome browser right now, uh, is just extracting our information and not giving us anything back. Yes, we're using it, but as we mentioned, if you're using something for free, then you are the product. So this browser brave which is actually built on it's a it's built on a chrome shell so we could actually use this podcast platform on brave i'm switching to brave actually fuck it but um (laughs) but brave will award you a token uh, a small amount of a token for every minute that you watch an advertisement or when you click on something and what's interesting is that through an exchange you can take those brave tokens and you can swap them for real money you know you can swap you can swap it up so you can swap it to Ethereum. You can swap. I mean, I haven't actually used Brave yet, but I'm assuming if you can swap any token, you can swap Brave. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, yep. in theory, like I'm sure it's a very small amount that you're making, but at least the idea that you are getting paid for using this platform is is interesting. And the tokenomics of that, I'm sure, are, are pretty fascinating. <laughs> it's based on how many users there are and, you know, how that's going. But I think that's I think that could also extend to the virtual and the metaverse experience of 
getting paid to exist in this place by either interacting with certain elements, by watching advertisements. It's not just that you're absorbing this stuff. It's that they're, it's also giving back to you. This is what we're seeing in games like D-Race and all these other crypto games where you are uh, Axie Infinity, where you're getting paid in the token of that game to interact. And th- those tokens can be swapped. And, you know, Axie Infinity is trading at $120 right now, something like that. So this is real money. Um, thoughts on that? It's, it's, it's pretty cool that you mentioned that, like Brave and, and giving back tokens. And that's something that we also implemented on our ecosystem. And, and, and you're reminding me of some thoughts. It's like, we also have some adverts in, in our platform where you have to watch these adverts in, in order to receive the, the Legion token. And the reason why it's interesting is because uh, if you're on a Facebook or if you're on a different platform, you're shown these adverts automatically. Like you don't consciously know that you're going to watch an advert. You came for the game, but we made it in a way where you came like this platform is watch to earn. So you decide I'm going to watch this advert and I get something in return. And that's part of decentralization. We're giving you that freedom to, you, then you'll have to ask yourself that question. Am I going to, is it for me? Am I going to watch this advert and I'm going to get paid like 50p? Is it worth my time? then you, you make that decision. There's people that do crazy things for money. So I won't be surprised if there's people that would <laughs> enter metaverses or watch videos all day. But if it's their own personal decision, I think then that's fair. Uh, but I think that's the way forward. Definitely like being able to choose when you watch an advert, being able to decide yourself, I want to watch this advert. I want, I want to make something in return. This is something that I can make money on. This is a, a survive, something I can use to survive. Axie Infinity, people used to making three, four hundred dollars in Indonesia, making two, three thousand dollars. Now it's life changing. And they made the active decision to, to be part of that game. Uh, and now it's like, um, you got a return. So metaverse as well. It's like, if somebody told me you, you're going to get 20, $20 a day, and I won't be surprised, there's going to be certain jobs in the metaverse where you're getting $20 a day just to make sure that you're speaking to these people or guiding these people. You're going to see people doing that for money. So there's lots of decisions they made, but... Um, okay, I'm going to ditch my second... Qu- I'll kind of come back to my second question. I want to transition to talking about Legion now. Uh, just talking about, though, the idea of getting paid to participate. Let's just talk about Axie Infinity. Games like that, you say that, you know, people in Indonesia were going from making two or $300 a month to now making 10 times that by just playing this game, which is true. Now, I remember uh, really when apps like Uber were exploding in the United States and you had drivers who were making tons of money. And then as the network network expanded and to, to, to hit capacity, the rates that drivers were making went down. Do you think that's going to happen in this metaverse, in the gaming space, where as more people start to adopt it, uh, it actually becomes less valuable and the rates go down because the network changes, the tokenomics change. Like, do you think that's going to happen? I just like saying tokenomics, by the way. I don't know. I just use it wherever. <laughs> I just sprinkle it on there. Tokenomics, tokenomics. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I mean, if the if the space is expanding and there's a vast, I guess, say there's a certain amount of supply of this said token that's going out, then naturally they would have, like there would need to be some scarcity and some scarcity involved for it to be like worth it. So I think the rate probably would end up going down similar to how, for like you were saying, yeah, like, like Uber did. I, I probably think it would. It's funny because like Uber used to give 20 pounds per ride when it first came out in Manchester, where I originally from. And I was loving it. I think I, I think I had like 600 pounds worth of credit. This was before like Uber hit the UK and I was loving it. And now, now it's like five ten, and 
you're scrambling for a code to get a few pounds off <laughs> before it was like they were giving away so much and, and it's, it's it's just marketing strategy we've also implemented something similar where in the beginning we're giving away so much LGX and whether it's airdrops or whether it's free tokens in the beginning just to create the market like that, that's, that's that's what tends to happen but I think it's the same when it becomes a norm when it becomes normal making two three thousand dollars a month uh, in the metaverse or by playing games then I think it's going to be harder to do that but at the same time the way the world's going, like two, three thousand dollars in the future might not mean much. So those people are making two, three thousand. Now there's going to be games where you have to make ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and yeah, it's, it's just it's just insane. But um, yeah, like, uh, and that's what I like about this though. You remember as a youngster, I used to dream of being a footballer, or, or now there's new dreams. I, I, I want to dream like I'm that person in the metaverse who makes twenty grand a month or, or twenty grand a week just just uh, by being my character, having fun. There's obviously craziness about it, but it's a bit more fun. Like you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be stressed out about certain career paths. There's new career paths that are opening with the metaverse and just gaming in general. Parents everywhere are losing their minds. They're losing their minds. Okay, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about how Legion fits into this. We've talked about broadly the ideas of the metaverse, some of the concerns, some of the potential uh, big upsides of the metaverse. Enter Legion. Where do you guys come in? What are you working on? Why is it different? Shark Tank time. Pitch us. <laughs> I'll let AJ take this one. Yeah, like, I think the main thing for us was like when we first got started, it wasn't we, we weren't focused on Metaverse. We weren't focused on, on NFTs. We were more focused on software. Yeah, but obviously software is behind everything that we see today, like in terms of Metaverse. So we actually wanted to make software that people would use uh, in times like COVID where, you want, where you're going to be staying at home. And similarly, Metaverse, you can be traveling by staying at home. So the whole purpose for Legion Network was we had so many requests from so many people that we know, let's start a blockchain project. But there was no real foundation, a solid foundation that, that we could build from. So when we started Legion, it was like, how can we create tools that where people can start to benefit from crypto, metaverse, blockchain straight away. Because 10, 15 years, Bitcoin started in 2009. Now it's 2022 nearly. So how can a person actually benefit from this technology? How can a person simply, without having to buy a $3,000 NFT, start making money from, from, from playing games uh, without having to worry about gas fees? So we wanted to create an ecosystem that was easy to use, uh, where people would be know, know how to adopt blockchain. So we're starting off with very simple, simple features like play a game, earn cryptocurrency, watch a video, earn cryptocurrency. Slowly, like as time goes on and as, as we educate people, we can start introducing now, help us start a DeFi project. And But instead of going deep into that, uh, instead of focusing on technology, what Legion was created for was all of this technology exists. You as a consumer, uh, you, you want to benefit from this. You see all the news stories, but how do you get started? Simply. And that's the whole purpose behind Legion Network access the blockchain simplified and start earning and start um, reaping the, the rewards and benefits from blockchain how so Cameron how much of a project like this when, when you when you're working on a project uh, that is in a fundamentally new territory obviously we have the benefit of web one and web two to give web three context which is important you know when it was just web one there was a lot of explaining about why why it was necessary. I remember my grandfather was like, why do I need the internet? I have the newspaper. And it's like, well, it's a little bit different. At least now we have two versions of the internet to have a frame of reference. But I, I would imagine there's still a decent amount of education that goes into getting people to understand why they should be using this product or why this is important. 
What's your perspective on getting people over that hump? I mean, just just to frame this, the user adoption curve of crypto in general is uh, it's moving faster than the than the curve of the internet, but that's just crypto. You know, so if you look at where we were in 1997 in terms of user adoption, we're about the same number of crypto wallets uh, that are present in the world right now. But crypto wallet is a is a far cry from being fully immersed in the metaverse. So, how do we get people to? How, what's the educational uh, balance of getting people to understand what they're doing and use that as a way to get them involved? I think the best way for people to understand what they're doing. I'm like a big advocate for like trialing things and having like a hands-on approach. So I think the more access people have to the technology is definitely going to help them further adopt it and a lot quicker. I do think that there is an uphill battle with it where that, of course, you've got a side, a lot of people do consume their information through, you know, like established businesses and, you know, large corporations. So having them be in the, say, early adopters or kind of putting the onus obviously on the individual but have a certain onus on these corporations to actually educate people in the right way possible you know i think a lot of people actually go into the metaverse and start researching it based off of you know facebook's announcement with meta so i do think that if if meta decided you know what we're just going to scrap everything that we've seen in the metaverse and have our own technology our own uh, terminology and things like that and this is something which the you know the mainstream public were Successible to, excuse me. I think that's something which could potentially be, you know, somewhat dangerous. I think there's so many, similar to what you were saying, there's no gurus in the space. So it's like, who can you really trust for like accurate information? So I do think the best, the best way for education and one thing that we're directly trying to do is, of course, getting some of the best, you know, people and, um, versed, uh, what's it called a technology that's an information that's out there that people can obviously backtrace, uh, from like its, you know, origin. And then of course, just supply it in ways where one, you know, through earning and learning with our watch to earn platform, you're naturally going to have to interact with different parts of what, you know, blockchain and web three have to offer, whether it's crypto wallets, whether it's, you know, um, the actual just watch to earn concept or anything else that's kind of within like the ecosystem. So yeah, I think the main thing is just, um, getting involved. I think that's the best way that people are going to, of course, learn and of course, just be proactive in it because the space is moving really quickly. And yeah, I think just that approach is going to be the main adoptive factor for getting people from, uh, centralization and just what we're used to, to this new, uh, this new wave of blockchain and web three. Yeah, just, just to quickly add, sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to add on that. It's like education is like, right, specifically with the metaverse, it's more about eliminating the fears that people have about the metaverse, highlighting the benefits. Like, like our job is, if we're going to introduce a platform that brings the, the metaverse to people, is highlighting the benefits, uh, like the true benefits. Like uh, I watched a video of a guy saying that, oh, my kids are not going to play with uh, with dolls anymore and it's going to be like so weird they're just going to be in the headsets and but then there was another then there was another study done where the uh, children who are actually in the headset were way more creative than just just playing with dolls so it's going to be like the fears that you had about creativity was eliminated because there was a guy who made a 3D a sculpture in the metaverse that wasn't possible in the physical world like just just like from from home so there's there's definitely going to be the the negatives and it's more about education and, and and it's our job like the ones that provide platforms to make it easy to use like Cameron said it's experience like we don't want you to just keep learning about 
the metaverse and telling you that the metaverse is nice, make something simple. Like uh, that's the best way to teach them. Make it simple. If you want to show people how they can live in the metaverse or the benefits of a metaverse, give them a tour of the metaverse. And that's something that we're trying to do as well. It's like, instead of just pushing this on you, we want you to go through this room and realize, you know what, before you, you would have to do all of this, this, this and that. Now with the metaverse, you, you whack on your headset and you're doing things that you had to do. Uh, five checklists turn into two because of the metaverse. And it's all about educating people on, on these. Well, you know, it's interesting too. We were kind of, uh, we were shit talking Facebook earlier, but really them renaming <laughs> their company to meta is the best marketing that you guys can have. It's the best top of funnel marketing that you guys can have because it's putting billions of dollars into that terminology and people can see that and they can at least start to become familiar with the fact that there's a change happening. Mark Zuckerberg doing these creepy black mirror videos are it's great marketing for the metaverse in a way although it might not be the metaverse that we all want to live in you know uh, earlier last month i got to check out some of the actual uh, well i got to check out the, the 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 network itself so the platform um, which was really fascinating i'm still wrapping my head around the watch to earn concept i understand it but it, it almost sometimes sees seems um almost impossible because I'm just so not, I'm just not used to the ability to actually earn from my participation in, in advertisement. So that's crazy. But then you guys showed me the, to, for lack of a better words, the, the, the phenomenal experience of being inside of the metaverse existing in a room that you created, which is inside of a larger <laughs> universe. Just so someone who's just listening. Explain what has been created with these virtual spaces. Like there's, there's many games that exist today that you join the universe. Um, and I think it's, it's important where you have platforms where you can create your own universes or create your own metaverses and super simple. So instead of you just, just, um, selling NFTs and that's what a lot of people are doing today. And it's, it's the big hype to make money. There's, there's, there's ways to sell and there's ways to represent. When it comes to 3D objects, it's best to represent them in a 3D world. And this is where we believe the metaverse is, is going to be unique to everybody. There's going to be people the same way that uh, me and you might hang out at different places. And there has to be that ability for people to choose. So when we designed the, the metaverse editor, it was more used to not telling us telling you guys where to go it's more like okay we have these templates but we also have this tool where if you want to take out time and you want to learn how to uh, to, to develop a metaverse we, we can help you we can give you the textures we can give you the, the tools that you need go and let your creativity run wild and now you can be in a metaverse that you designed yourself or that you designed to your own specifications or you can just uh, use what everybody else is using so it's more about having that freedom and tools definitely tools because when there's Decentraland, Roblox, and, and there's so many more, it's hard to just remember how many. And I guarantee you there's a, probably about 10,000 uh, different CEOs who are currently also developing a metaverse right now. So how do you make it interoperable? How do you make it where you can connect from different places? So that's one thing that we focused on, something that you develop in Blue Moon uh, in the metaverse editor. Our vision is we don't believe that we're going to be the only they're the pioneer and we're going to be the first ones and we're going to be the best and everyone's going to come to us. We believe that it's going to be a certain audience that's going to like what we're doing, but they're also going to like what Decentraland is doing. But how do you make that connection? Something that you've done in the metaverse in Blue Moon, why should you not be able to use that in Decentraland? And that's what we're trying to focus on is allowing you to build something in Blue Moon, but just know that in the future, this is going to be accessible in different metaverses. 
you don't have to build five houses, build one. And how do we make that technology connect to, uh, to Decentraland? And that's one of our main focuses. So today you can come in and build rooms and yeah, you're secluded in that room, but anyone who joins is still in that room. But soon that room now can be moved to, to different metaverses and that that's our main focus. That's, that's blowing my mind. Okay, so, so, <laughs> ju- so just to break this down, like in, in a very clean way for someone who's trying to imagine it because you know at some point we're going to be sharing some video of this and like explaining to people visually what this is but we're trying to communicate this with just our words OpenSea is a platform for exchanging and holding nfts so with these rooms which blue moon so blue moon is the the metaverse constructor that you've created right it's this ability yep. to visualize, visually see all the things that we're doing on the blockchain. And it can, you can create rooms where individuals can, as an avatar, go into these rooms to either meet, to share, to connect with each other. Is that, that That's correct? Yeah, that's right. No, I was just going to say, um, as well as that, of course, there's the NFT marketplace side as well. That That's what I was going to get to. So yeah. like... Okay, have, sorry, yeah. No, that was great. So you have, let's say, people are more people are familiar with OpenSea. And if you go on OpenSea, you have what's a very standard wallet. It looks like anything else on the UX side, like, you know, it's just JavaScript. It's a nice interface. You go on there and, you know, you see all your NFTs collected there with a technology like Blue Moon, where you can visualize the NFTs, you know, and, and this does make sense because this digital ownership that we have, humans still have a context for physical ownership. So we want to be able to see the things that we own. You're going to be able to go into this room, which you've created, which is your room. It could be, okay, this is Cameron's room. This is Cameron's, uh, you know, NFT space and go in there. And just like you were walking into your house, see all your NFTs on the wall as if it were your personal collection. And you could invite friends or maybe if you were having some sort of business event, business colleagues into your room digitally either through a computer experience or through a virtual experience to view the objects and the what you have in your room to either make purchases, to show as like a gallery. You could do talks in there. You could do conferences and events inside of these rooms that have been created. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like you can go inside this room, you can start speaking to people. And the one feature I always mention, if you don't like somebody, just walk away from them and the volume will automatically go down. <laughs> um, then you can, you can watch videos together. <laughs> I support Manchester United and a few weeks ago we got smashed by Manchester City, but I was watching that in the metaverse and, and that like, we were sharing our screen. So we look around, we see like a nice little lounge, but we're not actually, we still, all of us are in our own bedrooms, but it was like we, we got together. So there's, there's, there's things like that. Um, you'll be able to, you'll be able to swap like different objects that, that you own. So the one thing to mention is with OpenSea, they're at a stage where they don't really have competitors. They can do whatever they like. They're at such a, such a height where it's not, they're not obligated to, to, to develop because they can do it whenever they want and they're pretty much guaranteed to have traction. Now it's our job as, as not competitors, but the ones who are coming out after them to implement new features. So it was a necessity for us to develop new features. Otherwise we're competing with the best and best in the game if it's just a marketplace. So that's why we wanted to have an integrated metaverse. So you don't have to, like there's people that are buying 3D models on OpenSea, but now you've bought a 3D model on OpenSea, what's next? Because you have a 3D model file, but it's, it's the integration that's missing. With us, when you buy a 3D model, there's a, there's a straight away you can put that into a 3D room and now you can interact and now you can allow people to view 
if you're a musician, you can have listening parties. Before it was very difficult. You can invite your fans. You can invite people to to, to do AMAs before it was Telegram and, and Zoom. Now we can do it through virtual reality and also showcase the NFTs and showcase technology. So yeah, I I, I think um, we're we're forced to make these new new developments and integrations, uh, and also like the features like swap. Like that, that's one thing I really wanted to stress on was renting NFTs. Is, doesn't exist in many marketplaces today. And that's something that we focused on was everyone's focusing on the face and the avatars. But if you, if, if there's 7 billion people in the world, there's going to be in the metaverse, there's probably everyone's going to have a hundred characters. So there's going to be 700 billion characters in the metaverse. And in the metaverse, cars won't be as expensive as, as the cars that are in the physical world. So there'll be, there'll be people in this world where they can't afford cars in real life, but they'll afford cars in the metaverse. So. If you're smart, you start to think less, less, who's going to start making the 100 billion cars in the metaverse or, or, or the sofas that people want in their room. So right now the focus is avatars and it's the faces and it's the, but now it's like, um, renting, like we, we believe is, is important. Being able to rent something, just, just all the features you have in, in the real world. If you want to show off for one day, you should be able to rent. And that's one feature that we have where you can go inside someone's room or oh, I like that person's car. Um, I want to rent it for a week and use it in Forza. And that's where we see like uh, things going. That's that's fascinating. And I, I, you know, whenever I think about these possibilities, it's it's really crazy to think that you know um, because we have seven billion people, and because at a certain point in the near future, many of those people will be <clears throat> will be on the metaverse, and you're not constrained to just one avatar. In our human skin, we have one avatar. Some people might have two avatars in their life. You know, Michael Jackson had two avatars, but generally speaking. You know, it's one avatar. And now that we have the option of changing and now that we have the option of expanding our identity based on our preferences, there will be so many versions of you. And it just makes me wonder, are the new gen- is the new generation going to really want to live in the real world anymore? It's not as it's not as uh, diverse. And what is the real world? Why is the metaverse not the real world? What's more? Re- why is it more real? I mean, even if you go on Elon Musk's simulation theory, if we're already in a simulation, it's a simulation and a simulation. It's true. We, we, with, with, added, with added technology, with, with faster movements, with interaction to, to different corners of the world. And it's like there's so much more benefits in the metaverse. And you, you're right. It's like a dream within a dream. It's like I'm watching Inception. You keep going within. Eventually, like you wake up when you take off the headset, or if you're not in a headset, you wake up as soon as you close the laptop, or you turn off the game, or you turn off the console. That's when most people wake up into their physical self. And I feel like in the future, definitely, like like I feel like my kids probably would would never know how it feels to not have a metaverse, not have that window that they can walk into whenever they want. It's going to be different. Something that we've never experienced. Where as children, if you if you're unhappy in your in your bedroom just put on your headset and now your bedroom is like blue before it was red. And where when you want to watch football, your bedroom turns into like a, uh, a room that's themed for footballers. When you want to play basketball, your room changes. So you don't have to have just one styled room. You could have a room that's styled with, depending on your mood and with AI technology, you don't have to tell the room. It's going to know that you're feeling down and the room will look different. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, so I think the future is definitely going to be like uh, metaverse is going to be not an option. It's just going to be like, um, it's going to be the norm, like definitely, especially when you put on the headset. Sometimes I have like anxiety, like I need to go back in the metaverse just to experience how it's weird. Not the fact that I like it, it's just I can't believe technology has come so far. So I still want to just put it on and experience it. 
100%. I even, just to add to that, I think as well, there's almost this, I kind of see um, maybe more in the short term, our natural selves in this like, I guess the real world that we're used to. Imagine it as an analogy for like a parent company. I feel like us and our physical selves are like the parent companies. And then all these other, you know, uniquely personal branded avatars in the metaverse are like just subsequent companies that come below it. So if you completely just mess up in the real world and it's like, you know, it's, you, you've done something um, mad, automatically that's going to have a knock on effect to whatever personal branding you've attached to said avatar that you have in the metaverse. You may be the coolest guy in this plot of land in the central land, but then in another metaverse you're I don't know like the grandmaster for this game and people turn to you for advice like there's so many different ways to like kind of tap into different um pockets but yeah I think I think that's how we'll sort of roll um until like AJ said the metaverse will just be like standard it was like ready player one time do you do you think that do you think that there will be a class stratification in those who can access the metaverse and those who can't I think that's going to be formed, whether we like it or not. You you look at these clubs, like the look at the Bordy Yacht Club, and you see the the level of entry is much higher compared to, and the plans that they have is different to the plans that that NFT currently costing fifty dollars. And but both want to integrate metaverses, so you, I definitely think there's going to be some elite class of of metaverses, and there's, there's definitely going to be like lower classes where people do different things, and the same way certain class of people would never do something you'll see certain metaverses that wouldn't condone something that happens in a different metaverse or wouldn't accept this happening in their metaverse and i think there's going to be a whole new uh, class system i don't like to see that but it's going to happen that's just the way humans are that you have your different beliefs and ideologies so it's going to be that's going to be like um, transferred to the metaverse as well so like, uh, like I'm a Muslim and, and I think, yeah, like, why not make a, a mosque in the metaverse <laughs> where people can get together? Cameron? Yeah, I mean, I think that just adds for further accessibility. I mean, there's people that genuinely cannot access, you know, these particular places or, you know, can move. You know, they're not as fortunate to even have, say, basic technology as far as even just Zoom to like communicate and things. Right. So, you know, I, I think this is sort of opening those doors to where things can be explored like a lot further. I mean, imagine, you know, not even getting to the, into the discussion of AI, but just on a basic level with VR, you know, we've seen shows going way back when, like beyond scared straight and stuff. And you're having to like go to these jails and like torment these kids, um, on like what going to prisons like. But imagine if you can just simulate that and maybe there's a set requirement of like, you know what you have to wear, wear, wear the Oculus for, I don't know, two hours, like a session and you're going to experience just we've simulated this like gel obviously maybe not like um, they have that on oculus now they have a yeah. experience yeah. on oculus now it sucks <laughs> i hate it how so why would i, I want to simulate why would i want to simulate jail it's horrible yeah i mean but you know for like education purposes i think it could yeah. be there's so many and even like medicinal like you know like operating and you know just learning the ways and having you know connecting with someone where they could actually show you through their handset and like you know just all these different things i think will really transform and add further real world utility to it but i it was interesting with what we're talking about is Say, for example, if there are these elite metaverses and these like lower class ones, and of course there's this like within the metaverse, there's this insane 
in inflation that's happening what does this mean for like real world and like real world inflation and how that works like I think there's this weird disparity between those that are kind of like trying to pioneer and like lift this movement and then those that I mean no none the wiser so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah I think that there's uh there's no way to prevent class stratification because as humans create new technology usually people who have more access to resources get it first they get it better um i mean even i can think about now all of the people who don't have access to the internet and if all those people didn't have access to the metaverse and everyone else is moving on and going deeper into the metaverse meanwhile this group of people doesn't even have access to the internet there's going to be a bigger and bigger gap if right now there's a big gap between you know the haves and have-nots in the world as we create more uh, rich technology, that gap is going to further increase. My fear around this is that as the metaverse truly develops and becomes part of our everyday life, that you're going to create even more of an underclass. The underclass already exists in the world, but I believe that there will be some people who can't even access now the primary environment that we're all interacting in. If the most of the world moves to the metaverse at some point in the next 20 to 50 years, then we're primarily going to be acting in a digital space. All the commerce is going to be done there, all the entertainment, you know, and people who are not able to access that space will become truly, you know, if we talk about a caste system, this is something that America has, even if they don't think that they have, there is a, there is a caste system, even in America of people who are seen as underclass. And I believe that the difference is always have versus have not. And if this is one more thing to have, it's going to create by necessity that group of have nots. And I, I, I'm I, curious. I don't know if curious is the word, but I, I, I am um, aware of that possibility in the future. Scary. Scary. I think it's scary because I- imagine I meet somebody who's never been in the metaverse and he's like, I'm going to be asking his at, not his real name. So I'm going to be like, hey, like, what's your name in, in this? And oh, if he doesn't have that, then it's like, oh, crap, you won't even recognize people. And with, with the introduction of these glasses, if somebody is not being, like the signal's not, like signal not detected, like this guy doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just so we are all clear, Black Mirror has called this stuff out already. You know, if you guys watch that entire series, they have been fairly accurate on everything that they've predicted. And they've predicted stuff that hasn't happened yet, but is in line with where technology is going. So... That show, in fact, every time that show comes on, I love it so much, but I get anxiety because they're so accurate with what they've been predicting from. Even if you look at the last season, I don't know if you guys saw this is now the last season has been maybe two, two or three years, but, um, they had this whole plot line around the social credit score, you know, and around, um, you know, the way that you behave, interact, impacting the opportunities that you have in everyday life. And that now exists in China. They have a social credit system. And I don't know if it's as robust as in Black Mirror, but as as Internet of Things, AR, VR, and Metaverse all combine to a convergence point, we're going to have that ability to match up every action that we're taking in the physical world with every action that's being taken in the digital world. And it's going to create this singularity where, um, you know, the dark side of it is where we're kind of... Uh, we're trapped. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's there's both sides to it. No, so true. Yeah, it's like, it's the main question, decentralization. Like, the first question is, do we actually want the metaverse to, 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 be, the, to be the future? And most people are just going to walk into it and not, not, not deciding. Like, you know, the same way that 
And most people walk, walk into certain beliefs through growing up. People are going to be growing into the metaverse rather than deciding to go into the metaverse. And I feel like that's how it's going to be. It's like when people like those, like, for example, having a nice uh, stroll at the beach, it's going to remind people like this is reality. And only when they take off the headset or they exit the metaverse will they start to realize that they made a mistake or they're too immersed in something that they didn't have a decision about so who who's going to help people make a decision and that's what we should think about as well yeah i think that um i think that i think that this technology is i think it's inevitable i think that i think that there's a certain there's a certain trajectory that the human race is on i think that it's unlikely that as a collective we will all say stop. I think that if you look at the history of technology, humans usually try to do the most. They're, they're usually going to try to create the biggest technological breakthroughs that they can and suffer the consequences later and deal with the fallout later. We've seen this with, uh, we've seen this with weapons of war and we've seen this with more benign things like, you know, uh, like television commercials and internet. You know, we're always going to be pushing for the next technological advancement because I think in a way, and kind of bringing this all to a head here, what separates us, we're, 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 we are animals and we are mammals, but what separates us is our intellect. And our intellect isn't necessarily always a good thing. It just is a thing that exists because we're following our brains. We're following our minds to the natural conclusion. And the mind always wants to solve problems. Some of these problems are, in fact, many of these problems are self-imposed. A lot of the problems that we're experiencing in the world right now are problems that we've created, and now we're trying to figure out ways to solve those problems. Um, the metaverse does solve some problems. You know, one of the problems is that in general we aren't as connected as we we could be. Even through the internet, there is a way in which human beings can connect uh, more realistically and more authentically with each other. With that opportunity, obviously comes the risk of overextending ourselves into technology. And it's a fine balance. I believe that we have within us the capability to reach for the stars and not overextend ourselves to death. I think there is that possibility. I think that with a truly well-managed uh, well society, we could be the best of ourselves and we could be what we think aliens might be. We think that aliens you know, are these advanced societies we, we, there's even an idea that if a society is advanced enough, they progress past war. I think that there is that opportunity. One could even say that in the metaverse, uh, if everyone's in the metaverse, there's much less of an opportunity for real physical war to happen, you know, and that things will be mostly taking part on the digital front. And we won't be maybe so obsessed with some of the external material things that we are now. So there are benefits and drawbacks to this technology. But I think it's upon us to, one, as you were saying, uh, as both you guys were saying, make a decision on whether personally this is right for us. Because the technology, I don't think we're, as a collective, going to say stop. I think that's going to go. Part of that is driven by capitalism. Part of that is driven by the fact that we see it as an opportunity to make money. And part of it is, by, is based on the fact that we're so very interested in technology as a whole that we're not going to stop. So with that being said, what would be your message for our generation? And both of you guys, I want to hear what would be your message for our generation at the very beginning of this age? We're taking a snapshot of you in 2021, knowing that this technology will absolutely extend into the future 100 years or beyond. What's your message for society at this point in history? Yeah, Cameron, if you want to go first. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, no worries. My message at this standpoint would be, of course, this technology is inevitable. In a hundred years time, really, there's no, there's no question or there's no reassurance as far as how far the technology will be. I do think that I'm hoping there'll at least be some form of camaraderie in the real world. And who knows, we may just end up start reverting and going backwards um, in our technological progression. Uh, who knows, you may be seeing the returns of, you know, days where people really like, really wanted to read newspapers and that like, we start actually looking down on screens and looking down on, uh, you know, all of this immersive technology. I, so I guess my message would be to, you know, just keep a balance um, explore the new opportunities that come with it because I know so many of us have been whether it's self-imposed or just you know from from some sort of um, you know corporation or whatever but starved of ownership um, and I think you know I think that the blockchain space and NFTs and you know said technology do open those possibilities to kind of although it's creating a bigger gap between the ultra wealthy and the ultra uh, poor that have no idea like that the internet's really even uh, doing its thing but I also think it's creating a smaller micro gap between those that kind of know of this technology and are getting their whereabouts of it and those that say um, are on the other end of the totem pole being you know just the ultra rich that have no idea what this stuff is yet and are being really traditional in their, you know, um, asset management. So, yeah. I agree. It's like more, uh, don't like, just never let fear dictate like uh, what you think of it. Like, embrace it because like we kind of all of us agree that it's coming uh, and it's at a stage where it's not being uh, developed, it's being implemented. So we, we are at that stage where it's being implemented. So it's like embrace it. You don't have to embrace every element of it, but embrace uh like I would tell people to embrace it in a way where you focus on the benefits and focus on uh, what it brings to the world. But at the same time, like you don't have to lose your connection with the real world. And this is where it's important for people to understand, treat this like an additional technology. Like before you had a fat monitor, now you have a thin screen. The same way that treat this like your personal computer or your or your telephone is now a headset or some glasses. But don't never, never like um, have have a choice between reality and and the metaverse just always be conscious that this is just another technology and once you're aware of that it's just like just you'll understand that it's just a game like a big big game but there's there's actual reality where you have physical feelings without the need of uh, anything digital just just there's always going to be you and then there is going to be the matter of embrace it but just also embrace the the origin of yourself which is which is the the real side and the, the physical and the human side of yourself well, we'll put this podcast in a time capsule, we'll shoot it into space, and we'll <laughs> set it to come back in 100 years. And if there is even a single human on Earth at that time, which I'm not certain of, then they will hear your words and they'll know whether they were fortuitous or not. Thank you guys so much. Where can we learn more about Legion, what you guys are working on, and, um, and how we can get involved? Definitely. Best place to, to check is just uh, go to our website, legionnetwork.io. Uh, also follows on Instagram, social social media is all on the website. We have our light paper on our website now as well. And that's the best way to stay in touch. We'll be just uh, on the verge of launching. So it'd be great to share with you guys exactly what we're doing and show you these experiences that we developed. And yeah, that, that I'll just say everything will be on the website. We'll put it in the, uh, in the show notes. We'll send it out in the email. Cameron and Arthur, thank you so much, my friends. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Thank you so. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Great pleasure.
Ah, I hoped you loved uh, that episode as much as I loved recording it. You know, the metaverse is a fantastic new construct that it almost seems um, hard to wrap our heads around. But in reality, this is going to be something that, well, if you're listening to this, your kids or certainly their kids will be intimately familiar with, just like you're familiar with social media and just like you're familiar with, you know, the way that our world works. It will be part of your children and your grandchildren's worlds, whether you like it or not. And right now you're on the cutting edge. And that means that you can make a decision. You can make a decision for how you want to interact with everything that's coming down this pipe. And that's why we're learning to surf, not just getting crushed by the waves, but learning to surf. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please do me the honor of leaving a comment and leaving a review on the platform of your choice. It really helps to get the show out there, helps to show people that this is work that's not only fun and exciting to be a part of, but also important as we move this generation forward. And if you haven't already checked out my Substack, make sure you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com and check out the first link on that page, which is a link to where I have all these free articles and podcasts hosted, but also tons of premium content behind the scenes, unlisted podcasts that will never make it to the public, free full-length or not free, but premium full-length courses behind the paywall. And of course, other things too, like the merch shop we're getting ready to do. And really just great value. You know, the, the thing is when you exist only on free platforms, you don't have the ability to actually get your message out once the incentives for control are no longer in your favor. And then as we can see on social media, just last, like last week when I got blocked on Instagram, well, the, the incentives are no longer in my favor. So I have to go to a place where I can actually say the things are important rather than just play the algorithm game. And I know that you'll join me there. We also have a community discord. I think that you're going to love as well. So make sure you head on over to newwaveentrepreneur.com, check out that Substack, and become a member. All right. That's all I got today for you. That is it. Much love. Guess what? The water is warm and the tide is rising. Let's go ahead and surf this new wave. Catch you on the next one.